0: Welcome in to another episode of Scurry in the Scrub. I'm Matt DeMarinis. He's Jordan Scurry. And we have a special guest on this episode tonight. Former Creighton setter, Madeline Cole, is joining us. To uh, We're going to get caught up on Madeline's volleyball career. She's uh, on the coaching path now. So we're going to see if how much different she sounds as a coach compared to the player she was a couple years ago. I haven't forgotten. So we'll have to compare and contrast. And we say a
1: real big biggie
0: sufficient. I,
1: I think that was that would have been the better intro for her now, going uh having having experience at more than just the one biggie school that I have. Mm. I think she's a biggie sufficient. That was the better intro there. But hey, yeah,
0: didn't mean to interrupt.
1: No, You're we're good. Going. We're gonna
0: we're gonna talk some hoops with Madeline, but we're also gonna talk volleyball. And like Jordan said, she is, you know, kind of making her way through the league a little bit. She's worked, she's played for Creighton. She was a GA at Providence this past year for their volleyball program, and she just recently—yeah, there recently, we go. Round of applause!
1: Round of round applause, applause!
0: Round of applause! Just recently, uh, was hired as an assistant coach. Her first, her first official professional, official professional title as an assistant coach at the Butler volleyball program. So, congratulations, Madeline! How does it feel to be a professional volleyball coach now?
2: Ooh. Well, thanks. Um, I'm excited. I'm probably a little nervous just because it is the first official one, but I will say being a GA at Providence, um, I did a lot of second assistant things. Um, so I do think, I, I know I'm ready for it. Um, it's just a new adventure. Um, obviously a new city and a new team. That's always fun to learn and get to know all the girls again and their type of um, just the volleyball it's it's different everywhere so you have to learn and kind of I don't want to change my ways and how I put pl- I played and have taught now um, so it'll be interesting but I'm super excited
0: yeah that was the one thing I, w- I wanted to ask you um, at some point tonight but since you just led me into it I'll just start there you know I, I watched a handful of Providence matches this year um, and uh, I I every time I got to kind of see you in action, like it didn't look like you were, I, if you were told me she's a graduate assistant, I wouldn't have said, oh yeah, she's definitely acting like she's a graduate assistant. Like you were really hands-on with just in my interactions watching, like maybe this is a small sample size, but in with, you know, helping players through in match adjustments um drawn on the board, things like that. Like how much, uh, how much did you get to actually dive into you know, the schematic parts of the of matches and developing players through the season, as opposed to what a normally GA would do, be doing where it's more like grunt work and stuff like that.
2: Well, I went in guns blazing. Um, I really wanted to help Providence and their program grow. Um, and seeing a few of their practices, I was like, you guys have the talent. Um, to really go far and do really well in the Big East. Um, But I definitely just, I just showed up and started kind of coaching. Um, Obviously they let me be kind of the head coach of setting. Um, So I was always with the setters trying to get them better, learning new kind of offenses, what to run with who. Um, It's definitely, you're like the quarterback of the team. So you have to figure out, this girl's really good at hitting this. That's her strong suit. Maybe we can change these things up. Um, but our assistant coach Richie, he really pushed me to do a lot of the scouting, and that was new. Um, I I can watch film for hours and hours, so it was no big deal to me. I didn't have those hours because I was a student, so I did have to do like my classwork. That was just the thing I did not like about GA. Um, but I really did watch. I loved watching film. and I love kind of picking out details of other teams. And like, oh, we can maybe try and, you know, exploit this or they're not the best here. So let's try and do this. But they're really strong here. So we need to be cautious and really try and push through here. Um, and so and R- Richie, he's a great guy. I learned so much from him and he really pushed me outside the box. We could just sit there in the office and just talk probably for hours and hours, just about well, we, we really talked a lot about food, um, but we did talk a lot about volleyball too and just helping me kind of see things differently. Um, but yeah, it was, they gave me a lot of, a lot of room to just be me um, and speak, speak out when I wanted to. So it was really great. Um, and I learned a lot just from being there because I had that, that opportunity to be myself and speak out when I kind of thought, oh, that doesn't really look good or, seen that that's going to work. Um, and they respected that. And sometimes they took it and sometimes they didn't, but I was like, Hey, at least it's out there. We tried it maybe next time. Um, so, yeah. Nice.
1: So that's awesome. It sounds like, so it does sound like they gave you a lot of, you know, like control there at Providence and like uh, just kind of let you, you know, put your uh, imprint on their team, so to speak. Right. Um, but I guess, Just from my perspective, I guess, how did that come about? Like the Providence connection? What was your connection there? How did you kind of get into it? Because, you know, it's more my neck of the woods. So I'm trying to figure out how you, you know, kind of got hooked up with that after. Um, And like, it seems like it was an amazing opportunity because it's obviously led to you to where you're at now. So I guess how did that kind of come about? If you can run that back for me.
2: Yeah. So not many people know this and I don't. Providence volleyball is the least funded um, in the Big East. So they only have one paid assistant beside with their head coach so they do rely a lot on their GAs um it is a minority fund through the Big East and so I was still in Germany actually Dear, I guess
1: right right
2: this time two years ago um and she, I guess Margot, their head coach sent an email out to the Big East hey we're looking for GAs um the Creighton staff they know they know or I guess they knew um I wanted to be a a coach. Um, that was definitely my path and Germany was not doing it for me at the time. So I was kind of like, yeah, send anything my way that, you know, of, um, I didn't obviously know a lot about Providence. Just I, we played them twice a year. You know, that's pretty much it. Um, and so I was like, Hey, yeah, I'll apply. They loved the interview. We did a zoom call. I just was myself and was like, Hey, I'll do it. Um, and so I just went in there and I was like, okay, cool. And they knew me. They played against me. So I was like, Yeah, I'll I know I'm a Creighton girl, but I'll still come in there and help and do all these things. So it was that's how Yeah, no, they, they
1: got mad respect for Creighton out in Providence. Don't <laughs> worry. They they know
0: what's up. So I'm glad your experience was good there though. That's that's good to hear. Oh yeah. I honestly the whole big E should be hiring as many Creighton people as possible with with Creighton. Exactly. In the league, so <laughs> mm-hmm. there should be a no heat in my It was okay. Yeah. You know, that's, I was listening back to, uh, we we actually recorded a podcast with you and Megan. I don't know if you remember that when you were still playing. And one of the questions I asked you was about your post Creighton career and whether that involved playing professionally overseas for a little bit or jumping right into coaching or if volleyball was even going to be a part of it. And, you know, your answer now as I listened back to it the other night, it was interesting because it sounded like your playing days were uh, just going to be restricted to whatever Creighton can do here, then I'm done. And then I'm going to jump into coaching in whatever capacity that brings, but, but you did go overseas to play. And I wonder what drew you to just that opportunity and to try to at least extend your playing career for a little bit longer. Were you just going to do it until the coaching opportunity opened up or was there, was there more in the body than you thought there would be at the end of the year?
2: Um, COVID. COVID happened. Um, <laughs> so, so,
1: can definitely relate to that. Can definitely
0: relate.
2: Yeah, so a lot of the job opportunities kind of slowed because people just didn't know kind of what was happening. Um, there were some, you know, schools that reached out to me and I just... I really wasn't feeling it. I was like, eh, like I, I don't see myself there or helping the program very well. And I do think since I didn't have that, that end of college, you know, I would say life, cause it was our spring season. Like you're kind of done with volleyball, like you're still there. But, um, so I was like, you know what, let's just do it. Let's figure it out. I already had an agent before COVID just to kind of see. Um, and then he came back and was like, you know, COVID is really a thing. Like, they're they're better, I guess, overseas um, with controlling it. So I was like, you know what? Sure. I actually knew a few people who were going to be playing on the German team that I knew, or that I was going to be on, um, and a few other girls in Germany. So I was like, oh, okay, I'll see a few girls. Um, and so I just went for it. And then Wit went, went to Romania, but Germany closed down, so we could never see each other. Or Jaylee in France. So that kind of really changed my view of because I I do feel I probably wanted and should have gone a few more years playing because I definitely had it Um, but the timing all it worked out perfectly because I did get injured to I guess a game before we kind of left so just the timing worked out really well so I was like okay this is a I made the right decision especially now I'm like okay I'm here I'm starting my career. I'm doing what I want to do and love. So it, it definitely worked out. I do miss it, but
1: yeah, no, I, de- I definitely get that. I'm glad you brought that up because I've actually talked about this countless times just on this podcast, just even about like how the world was like, cause obviously it was my senior year too, that got shut down by the pandemic and thinking of going overseas. It's funny. My first, like I did get the whole Asian thing. And I was looking, um, and thinking like C league in Germany, um, but would you say, cause like my drawback and why I ultimately didn't want to go is what I heard from a lot of people is it wasn't the same overseas. Did you, like when the pandemic hit, did it become that for you? And that's kind of what led you to this path now? Oh yeah. Yeah. Cause it was just like, what I heard was it was a lot of just uncertainty with leagues kind of like you were just speaking on. And so that's what I was like, I don't like, I don't even know how to like, cause I wasn't even out there. Like you were out there, so you were in it. And so what was it like being in it? Like what it would, what was the vibe?
2: Yeah, it was really hard too because the, the team I was with was a little bit lower in the, the German league. Um, but again, we, it was me and another girl from USC who had played against each other. We knew each other. Um, so we were kind of messaging like, hey, let's go in there, really try and change the, the club around and do all these things. But it was hard because- they shut Germany shut down yeah and we couldn't really go out and explore so it was like the gym our, our apartment the grocery store like that yeah. was like, like, it so that was really the sucky part because like you hear about going pro and you're like yeah you're you're playing overseas yeah. but really traveling and
1: exactly you want the whole experience like you want to yeah. be able to go see your teammates who are in other countries and like then yes. the world shuts down that's tough yeah
2: yeah. So that's kind of where I'm I'm sad now that I'm not continuing because I do see you know a few people, oh, they just went to Egypt for their break or they went to mm-hmm. France. I'm like that's what I wanted. Dang it. Yeah. Um but again, I was like it's it was an it was an experience for sure. Like it was just nuts and I know the first half of our of our German time like we couldn't stay in hotels. So we would wake up maybe leave our like apartment and gym at like 10 in the morning there drive six or seven hours to the game have 30 minutes to like stretch and get off play the game six seven hours back and i was like i am not used to this like i'm used to going the day before practicing Mm -hmm. the gym getting the lights down the court okay cool and we were just like what is this so it was nuts
1: Everything changed. It's true. It's true. But I'm glad you at least had the experience. Like you got uh, at least some time to see what it was. Cause I feel like at least for you, you were able to like consciously make that decision. Cause you had been in it. Like it's hard for a lot of people who didn't even like myself, like who didn't even want to test that because it was just different.
2: Yeah. It's cool. I mean, it's cool to say like, I'm a pro, I was a pro player. Yeah. Um, I don't have to tell people like, you know, I do or anything like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I played, yeah. I You're a pro. You
1: pro, yeah. You can't take yeah. that from you. Can't take that.
2: <laughs> yeah, so it was it was quite an experience. It was. I didn't learn any German, so don't ask me anything. <laughs> a lot of people ask me that. I'm like, no. <laughs> I learned Dankeschön. and that was about it. And that's thank. Is so, it was
1: that? Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's. I know that one too. Movies. Yeah, well, yeah. So at at
0: like, least yeah. you, at least you were polite out there then, saying thank you all the time. See, yeah, yeah. See? <laughs> No, if you to hand people the resume, they gotta know. I mean, they meet you one time like, hey, look, that banner right there, that banner right there, and then yeah, I went and played pro and now I'm your coach, so shut up and listen to me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I try not to talk about the Creighton vibes in too many people's faces. So, you know, I do I do have my necklace on that we wore we won, you okay. know. Okay. Our, our hey. Some girls at Providence they're hey. like, I I'm like, yeah, you know, just this. If you work hard, you can get this. You know, try and-
1: slight flex, slight
0: flex, slight flex. Slight flex. That's
2: <laughs> I about- really don't try and like throw it in people's faces.
0: <laughs> she tries, like that's what I mean. You're like, you're like, it's like a humble brag. And now I just got. I'm gonna ask Jordan real quick um, before I jump on the next topic. Is like, if you had won like four straight Big East titles, Big East conference tournament titles, been in the NCAA tournament, hosted all that stuff, like if you had those kind of accolades, how often would you remind people of that stuff? Like, yo, this is me.
1: I, th- I think, you know, that answer. I think there's a reason that that didn't happen to me. I think, the <laughs> I think there's a reason the universe did not let me win that much because I would, I would be insufferable. That's your answer. I would yeah. be insufferable. I would have this, po- I would remind people every podcast episode, how many wins and biggies championships I had if I was in Madeline's position, but Hey,
0: I'm not. So it would be yeah. like, I'm Jordan Scurry, unscroll resume real quick. And then here's our today's episode. What we got. Yeah.
1: Every now. intro, I'd be, I'd intro this. I'd be like, I am your host, Jordan Scurry, the three time <laughs> Big East championship winner. And 100, I, I would like, I would, you know, I'd get the metrics out on the numbers, you know, love something it. stupid that I would I do.
0: Love, I love that, it. That's yeah. how
2: my dad is. He tries to go in with two time All American every conversation he'll yeah, call me, like, i was talking to this hotel person and and we started talking about two-time all-american madeline cole i was like how and why like
1: mm. see you know? i would introduce myself as that if i was to like you like you like that's that's why the world didn't let this happen because you <laughs> i would i would have in my interview with butler i would have been like yeah i'm two-time all-american madeline cole um yeah. nice to meet you like that's how i would intro myself
0: that's what i'd be calling like i'd be calling uh you know fancy restaurants asking reservations like yes this is a two time all american medal. Yep, yep, table exactly for, table for 6 by the window like yeah it's just no yeah and please uh have my
1: jersey uh hung up uh in the back please uh i i want it i want it there upon my arrival i want it right. in a plaque i'll sign I do it. that one that and be, I'll let you guys know. For sure. be,
0: yes, for sure. Yeah. When you decide to flex, please make sure we, we we're in
1: attendance. <laughs> you gotta get to the, you
0: sure. got get the signed jersey at like Applebee's in Dallas or something like that. Like, yeah, it's gotta be. Mm-hmm. They got they yeah. gotta know the hometown's gotta remember. Yeah, um, I'm glad you brought up your dad though, because it was one of the questions I wanted to ask you. Was uh, your mom played uh, volleyball too, right? Did she play volleyball or she, she played, played basketball? Me. Okay.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Your dad and your dad played football, and I just wondered, as you've jumped into like as you made your way through your playing career and then jumped into coaching, was your uh, approach to, I don't know, just being an athlete and now being a coach was, were the dynamics different because you have a support system that, you know, just has an understanding of what the day-to-day is like and what the lifestyle is like that, you know, where, where if there are certain stressors going on for you, they can kind of relate to those things and guide you through it. Is it different for you?
2: Uh, A little bit so my mom actually was a volleyball coach as well um, when I was little little Um, so I I would be in the gym with her so that's really how I fell in love with volleyball was because of her Um, but my dad gives me a lot of the business kind of that mindset I guess um, of coaching Um, so he definitely was one who helped me make this decision because he was like you know is this opportunity really gonna pop up again? Or are you, do you really wanna push yourself? And who do you wanna learn from? So it was those kind like, I knew Sharon Clark was a was a great woman. She's has a lot of resources and all these different connections, like it's crazy. Um, but just like the thought of actually learning from her, like it just didn't really pop up in my head. I was like, yeah, cool, it's another head coach. <laughs>
0: um what's up buddy that's Charlie that's Madeline's dog
2: he's barking at himself we we knew we
0: knew Charlie would make a guest appearance here yeah. today we were just waiting for what he he's making his podcast appearance too it's all good yeah
2: he wants his questions
0: yeah.
2: um but yeah he they both give me great advice and they are I mean my mom was here just a couple of days ago helping me move in my dad will be here in a couple of days so they're really excited for this experience and They've always been there playing and now here um, helping me in all these situations and just having my back and trying to help guide me in tough situations or because coaching is not easy. I've definitely learned that in the first couple months of doing it. And it's the transition from player to coach has been a little hard and tricky. There's some boundaries, but you know, they're both helping me like, hey, it's everyone has gone through it who's been a young coach like there are times like I probably shouldn't have said that around this person or you know those things and you just you learn so I'll just continue to do that
0: you're still young it's all good what was the uh what was the uh I don't know just some of the main things you took from watching your mom when you were young like why did it why did volleyball stick with you do you think as you I don't know if you have ever thought about it before but Maybe I'm putting you on the spot right now. And, but if you've ever thought about it, like, what were some of the things when you're watching your mom coach and, you know, kind of growing into loving the game yourself? Like, what stuck with you?
2: Um, I, I would probably look at it as her relationships with her players. Um, my mom is very intelligent and kind and just soft hearted and all these things. And that I sounds, saw that sounds
0: familiar. <laughs>
2: um, and I, I saw that with, how she spoke and coached and just showed the love of volleyball and the passion of volleyball through her players. So I really love that. And I could watch her coach for days and days. And I was like, man, that's so cool that your players are are wanting to really work hard and do these things for you. And she's still in contact with them. And obviously I was very young. So they're like, oh my goodness, like you're getting so old now and I'm like yeah you guys are old too <laughs> um but yeah just seeing her like her passion for volleyball like that was how I fell in love with it and just being in the gym with her like that's bonding that's our little love language and it's just really cool so yeah.
1: no that's awesome it's funny I, I love hearing stories about that just because like my relationship with my dad was always like that with basketball because it was just like the way I saw him interact, you know, with his college teammates, like even years after, you know, and everything. It's just like that. You you don't like it's just that culture, that environment, like you you see your parents go through it and you kind of like want it for yourself. But I think the one thing for me that uh, was different, I guess, when like going to Creighton in that culture was just that, like, I really felt like, the the, like I really felt like it was like that that was the first team I felt like it was really like a family you know like outside of my own family so I guess how much do you try to like like preach that like in your experience just I, I guess now with coaching where you when you were at Providence like do you really try to like preach those messages of like that culture or do you think that just genuinely happens like when you come to it with the right intentions
2: Oh, yeah, I definitely try and teach that as much as I can. Because if you think back, like I still talk to all my the senior class, like, right, yeah, and the girls lower, it's like, you don't know, like, you spend so much time with these people, like,
1: so much. time.
2: <laughs> there's something that you have to like, yeah, you're gonna have maybe a teammate or two that just uh irks you sometimes. But deep down, like, can you really fight for them on the court and off the court? That's like a big question that I've asked the girls at Providence, like, yeah, you can say, like, um, I have their back during practice and all these things, but what really can make a a team a team is having their back off the court as well. Like, are you helping them study or classes or go to the store? Like it's those small things that just like, man, I remember that. Like I'm going to run this suicide a little harder for you this time.
1: Man. Talk about, no, I completely agree. Cause like you definitely, I can, hundred percent relate to that because you know there's times where you like, yeah, no, this teammate helped me. You know, grocery shop yesterday. I'm, I'm gonna go hard for them today. Like you know, it's it's the little things like that. So I definitely can relate.
2: Yeah, it's like these are your your sisters, your brothers. Like they're they're in the trenches with you. Like right you there
1: with that you. That. Yeah.
2: So it's those you blood, sweat, and tears. Come on.
1: Yeah. No, I'm glad. So I'm glad you, is that what you're going to carry? Is that like, not to tr- hard transition here, but so is that like, what is your goal now? Like, what do you see? How do you see yourself as a coach? Like really having an impact here now with Butler?
2: Yeah. I, I don't know. Cause it's so just different, I guess at every mm-hmm. you know institute. Like again, this is my third big East and it's going to be different than Creighton and Providence. But, um, I wouldn't say like, I'm not going to, I don't really change for many people. Like I've definitely, cause this is not my program, not my anything but like, I will speak my mind and I do want to grow the women as not only athletes, but as women. So right. hey, I'm going to be in your corner. Like if you need anything, but and this is the growth part. We got to set boundaries. Like, I know I'm, I'm young. I'm close to you guys, but no, I cannot go hang out with you. Like I can have some coffee with you maybe and talk about life. Cause I've gone through a lot of life experiences and it may or may not help you, but this is how I responded or I, you know, adjusted to things. Um, so I, I wouldn't say I want to be like friends with them, but I do want to help be their mentor and be someone they care about because, and especially for recruiting, like, I want the parents to know, like, hey, they have someone to lean on Um, if things do get a little uncomfortable. Because it is hard, like, Jordan, you know, it's hard to, like, go to your head coach sometimes, like. Oh, yeah. Happening, and it's like, it's your head coach. They probably don't need to know all of that. But if it goes to an certain extent, like, yeah, I will have to tell, like, the head coach to make sure you're okay, but you know, there's, there's things that can stay between us to help grow and those things, you know, relationships.
1: Yeah. I'm glad you brought that up. Cause I, do you find it difficult to balance that line of being a GA? Cause you're obviously still so young and like you're only a year removed, like from your playing career. So is it, is it difficult to like kind of balance that line?
2: So hard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so hard. It's like, you still have that, like young spirit, but you're like, yeah. Oh, me, no, I'm their mentor. I'm their coach. Like I just, but you're
1: embracing that. it. You're embracing it. So I give you the credit. I do give you credit. Cause I I know it must be difficult. Like you're a year out from being a pro still. So. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: I can't but help I but like, <laughs> I can't help but hear like Kirsten in that, in that just response there. It's like, those are all the things she just preaches, you know, just like all the external stuff that I don't know if other programs take it for granted. I'm sure there's like a handful that prioritize, um, you know, all like sowing the seeds of what your culture is as a program, like in order to cultivate that identity. And then the encore stuff is just kind of the takes care of itself within the training and the, and the, and the, and the recruiting, but like, you know, but Butler's no, like, this isn't some, you know, up and coming program. Like they've won, they've had, I think they've, you know, had seven 20 win seasons in the last decade or so. Like, you know they're they're in contention to always play in the NIVC. I feel like they're always a team that you know is super salty defensively and not an easy out every any time at all. I know they've gone you know to five setters with Creighton plenty of times. Um, yeah. And I, I'm just curious, like how much of what you experienced at Creighton and what you just tried some cues you tried to pick up, especially as you were thinking about being a coach one day, like how much of how much of Creighton have you taken with you so far into your professional life?
2: Um, a lot. And honestly, it's a lot off the court. Um, cause I, I do, you know, remember those talks I've had with Angie Craig and Kirsten, like just about life. And it's like, man, like they really care about me, not about my athletic ability. I mean, I came into the season with a concussion, not even playing in front of them. Like right. they had no clue who they got really. Um, but they they cared about me and they were you know sad for me that I got concussed and all these things but like they're still my biggest fans and it's like that's what I love about you know the Creighton like that there's a family like everyone cares about you no matter how far you go Um, and so I just want and that's how I felt when I interviewed here at Butler like the athletic directors that came to talk to me like the surrounding people that were like oh know like oh you could really be an asset here and i'm like oh well, thank you like it made me feel good like that i was wanted here um so it's different like having a home here like okay i'm i'm putting roots down here like i want to build this program um and so i'm hoping to just get a little bit of my love to a university again um like creighton did like creighton gave me a great opportunity and so as much as I can do, I want to show that that gratitude that that Creighton gave me just in life to to Butler and the, the girls here, because um, they do have a great program. Like, I think they're always in the middle, if not the top, um, the top half of the conference every year. And they've given us a run for our money, too, when I was playing. So Absolutely. they definitely have it. Um, so I'm excited for for what's to come for sure.
0: Yeah, it's gonna be crazy to watch. I think, like, I don't know. There, there's just something I don't know, genuine about your personality that I feel like this is going to be fun to just see it where it goes. You know, I don't know. Like, are you enjoying this too? Like, I know it's it's a, it's a job, right? So there's, there's gonna be pressure that comes with it. You're gonna put a lot of pressure on yourself. Like, you're gonna hate losing as much as anybody in that gym. Um, especially with as little as you experienced it. Right. So um, yeah, just how are you, how do you, how do you feel like you're preparing yourself to balance your ability to enjoy it with your ability to um, you know, focus and be serious when it needs to be serious, you know, like, and still be yourself at the same time.
2: I don't have too big of a problem with kind of just like being myself and just enjoying it because i do love volleyball so much and so i i like to do the work for it um it was hard at providence because i was in school that's gosh i hated being in school i had no (laughs) desire to go back to school to get my master's like that was never
0: relatable relatable very very relatable (laughs)
2: yeah like that was just something i never really wanted I mean it was great it's great to have your master's like I do know people tell me like oh it's great to have your master's but with with coaching and volleyball especially like it is about your connections and who you know and just your experiences so I'm like I have those experiences and I'm creating more connections so giving up my master's was like kind of okay and you can always go back to school so it's not like it's just gone and forgotten but um the Big East volleyball is something that is improving every day um no offense jordan but you know this is i know big east's basketball school you know conference but volleyball's trying to make a name for itself here
0: hey i'm with that i'm with you I, I thought thriving. you was thriving yeah way more outlandish just now but oh, yeah. yeah back a little bit like crazy yeah no i school. was like <laughs> I was
1: good. I was gonna I was gonna go with that. Like I was very with that. But hey, yeah, no, I'm very with the upgrade of volleyball at every big school. I, yeah. I have no pushback on that at all.
2: And and the big East is one that can get there. Like use I know the Big 12, SEC, like they're always kind of up there, big 10, all those, but I know my senior year we had three schools go, and that was I think the most they've had in a long time or ever. Um, and so I, I want that again, like I do want, like you see the ACC starting to get really, really popular in volleyball. And it's like, whoa, where'd you come from? Um, So I, I want to help the Big East do that. And with Butler, they're definitely a team that can, that can push to get, to get maybe into the NCAA or even all four teams. So I know, you know, it's very slim that happens, but you never know. could can start to happen in the next few years. That's hey, it. I
0: mean, like you commented to the, semifinals of the NIVC Butler's always in that conversation. Like I said, they've won, I think they've had seven 21 seasons. DePaul's on the rise, Creighton and Marquette are Creighton and Marquette. You know, Villanova's tough. You know St. John's can always always has hitters and blockers. Like it's there. And then just talking to Kirsten like, you know, off the record about like the potential future of or the outlook of the league. Like the one thing the big East has that's advantageous to its growth if it if the schools decide to invest in it is the recruiting footprint like they have talent in their backyards all of them like they can it's there if they want to be good at it it's there just like you said with the ACC there's no there's no excuses really
2: yeah and I think the Big East is like the best conference like it has all the main cities yeah who wouldn't I mean I know that's a big recruiting thing that I've I was recruited on and even like I've started you know telling like you're in New York, Chicago, Indianapolis, Washington, like, you go to all these really cool cities, like, why not, you know, try and bring up the Big East, like, it's, you know, that's my sell point, for sure.
1: Yeah, so I don't want to get, like, too, you're bringing up some great goals here, and just, like, with your, I guess, direction for everything, right, but, like, I don't want to ask too broad of a question, but, like, I guess in the in your first couple of years, what's your, like, what's your main goal that you hope to achieve, like, as a coach? Uh,
2: um, definitely. But I know I'm
1: putting you on the spot still, but <laughs> I'm sorry. I got to
0: call out, Call out Creighton, Madeline. Call him out.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would love to take down Creighton. Thank you. Most, most people, do. it's going to be hard, you know, just beat my alma mater, but it's got to happen one day. Um, but no, I did, I want to bring it back to Biggie's conference championships for sure. Um, NCAA tournaments, like that's an experience I want athletes to, to have like, man, and you cannot like people can even like just saying Minnesota just like irks me the wrong way because we did lose like. Uh, and guys got
0: close. We were, were, like, were close. We
2: had uh, we had match point twice. Max, yeah, you, you did. Leave it I, at that. You know. Um, but yeah, like I, it's but it was an experience. Like man, it was so much fun. Like just being in that tournament, and some girls don't even get to experience that. So I will do as much as I can for the girls to have that experience, or at least the Big East tournament, like experience those things. Um, so those are. Those are probably my my goals for like the five you know years.
1: I like that. We'll,
2: we'll crank it up the next five. We'll will
1: we'll check back in with you. We'll, I'll write them down and make. I'll hold you accountable. I got you. <laughs> Don't worry.
0: I'm joking. I'm joking. She's <laughs> like, I want to make the tournament in the first five years, and I'm going for Natties after that. Yep. <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> Nothing less.
0: Uh, you want to talk some hoops? You want to you want to stick around with us and talk some hoops with um, us?
2: State, how's uh. Second team state player, two years running.
0: Let them see? know. Let them know. She's the most That's credentialed hooper on the, the podcast. Yeah. And
1: she's the only all-American on the podcast. So
0: she is a
1: Like honestly, she's running, she's running it at this point. I don't even know why we're here. But hey. This
0: is see, this is why when we have scrub in the title of the podcast, we can only elevate with our guests. See how we do that? That's like <laughs> yeah. it's, it's a constant.
1: Well, we need to have guests because people get sick of Scary and The Scrub like week after week after week. It's just like it's – it's unless we have one of our cool friends on. Like they're like – I thought the point of you guys having a podcast was because you had cool friends. Like (laughs) they don't really really care about us. Like come on.
0: We're tapping into that a little bit. Let's talk some hoops though because obviously – well, I mean, number one it's a big week um, for Creighton in basketball this week, men's and women's. But then we have to also – I've the week that was. Um, oh, do so I don't think to? I don't think there's a whole lot of like drama with the women right now. They uh they played Providence Madeline's former um I guess we wouldn't say employer, what we would say like they just I don't know how we would do that. You visited there for a minute? Former the, former squad. Former, former squad. squad? Just, really? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, okay. No. Huh. Either either way, Creighton waxed that ass. So like um <laughs> that's 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 over and done with, drama free. And then um so yeah, they had the weekend off and the men they lost to Madeline's new current employer and then dropped a little bit of a weird one against Xavier at home on Pink Out night. So we got to dive into that cuz I know people had a lot of
1: I just want can, can to I, can I start, can I start? Can
0: I start? Yeah, by all means. I just have I mean you're the lead I'm you're just, the lead Madeline titleist. Madeline did
1: y'all didn't lose like we didn't lose a Pink Out game in the four, like your years, right? Like you, you never remember seeing a pink out loss. No. Yep. Neither do I. And so I guess my point is, I don't know how they can lose that one game. I usually, I, from my experience, that energy in that arena on pink out day is just like, not an energy where you can lose that game.
2: No.
1: So I guess, I don't know. I don't know if it, if the energy wasn't there, Matt, I don't know what is going on. But that one, I don't know. We'll get into it, like, more specifically. But I just – I don't know. I just have to – I had to start off with my, like – Yeah. That game is special. You know, it's special to me, man. We can't be losing pink out game. That's the
2: game you don't lose. You you can lose lose every other game but that one.
1: Right? Maybe – Right. And I just had to – I had to start with that. I had to say my piece. I'm sorry. I had to say that.
0: Maybe, Maybe next year what Mac needs to do is have you give the pregame speech because – we do know that game means a lot to you for a lot of reasons that don't have to relate to basketball. And maybe you're the guy who can motivate them to, uh, to not lose. I I mean,
1: I thought the pink jerseys would do it enough like that and some free new pink kicks, but Hey, (laughs) whose names
0: are on these things? That's exactly. That's a great question.
1: (laughs) Guess not. Guess not. I'm like, dude, like what, like you guys are playing in pink jerseys. Like, come on, give me a little more, but Hey, (laughs) All right, let me, let me let me stop. Let me. Stop. I wasn't I prepared for wait. Jordan
0: to get it all emotional like that. I, I got to be honest. I didn't think he was going to come at it from this angle. So I'm 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 shook right now. But I'll see if I can calm him down. I just like um,
1: I don't know. I never the to, to pink out. We can't lose yeah. that again. I'm going to lose my mind if this becomes a thing. We I mean, Madeline lose
0: didn't any lose any biggies home games ever. Whether it was a pink out or white out. <laughs> <people> <laughs> yeah, out like, yeah. Wait. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it that was a, was a bad way to intro. Yeah. That you question. cast it. A, you cast it. I thought that when you asked that question. Yeah, but I think they were both non-cons, weren't they? You didn't lose to a Big East team, yeah, did you? Yeah, yeah. So that's what I mean. Like, that's yeah. asked the wrong yeah. person there. What's it like it's to so good. At home? She it's goes, so good that know.
1: your your squad. No, it's it's so good that her squad that they're all, all like everyone from your Big East championship teams. Like you're all so humble. It's so good because if like I like, you're, it's good that you don't have a me because that would be obnoxious.
0: <laughs> be cool. It would be fun though. Covering Jaylee Winters was hilarious. Like, those were good times. Like, she wasn't she wasn't afraid to talk some mess, you know? Yeah. Yeah, see, that's what's fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I guess we can start with Butler, right? Because, uh, <laughs> Jordan, listen, we got to rehash this stuff to move forward. So we also have to look back a little have- bit. <sighs> So we also uh, have
1: to address that. We're, we're the reason that this Butler, Madeline, you, I don't, you probably didn't hear last week's episode, but we're the reason that Creighton lost the Butler actually, because we came on this podcast last week and we were like, yeah, no, Butler doesn't even offensively know what they want to do. Like Creighton will handle them easy. And we forgot that it was at the cursed Hinkle Fieldhouse, house, which we're Creighton can never really seem to get it going. So yeah, we are directly responsible for just like downplaying wow. Butler and Xavier. Um, yeah, or or I'll take it. I was definitely downplaying them, so I don't know why I was doing that. I will not make that mistake again.
2: You can't do it at their fieldhouse because even yeah. our games are like, what is going on? Like it's just <laughs> the vibes are weird. Like you gotta, it's like yeah. focus. You got okay. This there's some bad yeah, stuff. See, I'm glad going.
1: I'm glad you can speak on Hinkle. Like it's just, it's a very I don't know how to explain it. Like it haven't played there. Like it's just I don't know. It's just a weird vibe. I don't know. Not like it's not like ominous, it's not like empty, it's not like spacious.
0: I don't even know how to explain it.
1: Yeah, you
0: know, weird place, the cursed Tinklefield house. It is a very <laughs> strange building. Yeah, I don't know. Well, like I don't know, Madeline, were you did you have some takeaways from why that thing went sideways on the Jays? Like there's obviously some common threads with their offense that I feel like we're going to get into here um, tonight, but like, what, what stuck out to you?
2: Huh. Well, so that's I how guess Jordan this feels right my... there.
0: That little deep gasp was like, that's how he was after the <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> Hinkle again.
2: Well, this is, this is kind of like a question, I guess, for both games. And I don't like, yeah. I'll just answer your question with a question. When in Jordan, I guess, since you're a former player, when you're you know let it fly kind of you know three pointers like all those things just do not happen what's Mm. your like
1: this is a great question
2: like i know that's like y'all's thing and when y'all are on y'all are on but it's usually like if you're off everyone's off or like it's just not going but like what's your second game plan or like who's you know like you guys do have a seven footer in the center who can you know
1: so this is, this is one of the best
0: questions. I think that's the best God question I guess is ever asked. I think for sure. Ever, ever, <laughs> ever. Do you, do you want to answer that one first? You want to take it first or she said Jordan, she did not
1: say Matt. Well,
2: okay. okay. You have experience. I don't
1: know. I mean, yeah, but no, I think it's a great, I think it's a great question because I feel like a lot of people have this question and um, I don't know. I guess like, To that point, I just think it's that you don't ever want shots falling to be like your identity, so Mm -hmm. to speak. Like we've always talked about for years, Mac has always preached like you have to be able to figure out how to win games when shots aren't falling. Like he's adamant about that. And that's why it's like there's so much uh, pressure on the defensive end to like, you know, communicate the way that we do, talk the way that we talk, like and be up on schemes that way. Right. But I guess, like, to answer it directly, like, what do you like? What is the second option if shots aren't falling? It's just to be able, it's not to think about that, I guess, if that makes sense. It's that you want to play the same regardless of if shots are falling or not. And it's a great question because I think now what we're seeing from this team is they are affected by shots not falling. And the great teams, like the great teams that even I was a part of, weren't affected when they had a first half where shots weren't falling because they knew that like, like on teams, like, especially like even last year's team, was just like Marcus Zagorowski, right. He knew like, he, he was so even keeled and he kept it because he knew like, we just want to be getting good shots every game. Like we don't want to react to things not falling. Like you want to just get this consistent same type of shots, I feel like. And so I guess not falling into that, but I guess directly, yeah, they do have a seven footer. It'd be nice to get some e easy layups and dunks and transition there um, but yeah I guess it's just not like letting the shots like going in determine how you play like you should just want to have like you should consistently play away the whole time
2: yeah
0: yeah it is like a it was the thing that I can't I still can't get over That's a little bit jarring is the the contrast and like when the pace falls off and when it's when it's and what kind of offense they're creating when it's flowing you know and, and then I don't know if there was ever a a long stretch where it was flowing offensively against Butler. You know, I think Butler's physicality always kind of dictated that game from the jump. And then once Butler made a run, then it was just, it was a wrap, but the Xavier game was different. Creighton was flowing in that game. And I don't know what killed their confidence first, whether it was, you know, Nunji pouring in a couple threes to start the second half or, or what did it, but you from an energy standpoint, and I know this is subjective, but, like, just from a body language, like a vibe, a, a eye contact, like, you just – they didn't look like they had the same pop in the second half right away. And I don't know what happened. Yeah.
1: And that's what bothered me, though, too, because I'm like, that's the pink out game, man. Like, that should be the half. Like, like, and they didn't play very well in the first half. like, And so I was like, okay, they're going to kick it into gear here. I just feel like they never got to that. In both games, honestly, obviously the Butler game was different, but in that Xavier game, like they, like obviously in the Nova game, like their big wins this year, they get to another level and you're like, okay, they're rolling. In the Xavier games, in these like little games that you feel like they should have, like they, they don't, they don't get there. And I don't know if it's like a internal thing. It is very subjective. Like you're saying, like, I don't know what it is like but it, it seems like there's no like umph there like where they need to get going in second halves or when they need to you know get to that next level to put the game away or get to the next level to come back just doesn't look like that's there right now
0: yeah and like and, and madeline you can i guess you can draw on this a little bit because volleyball the momentum changes real quick like you can be you know up seven and then one point makes a team just like just feel it. And then you're upside down all of a sudden. So like, I guess when, what can like players do, especially young players, because this is still either way you look at this team, they're either old and inexperienced or they're just young and inexperienced. Um, so like, what can a player do in a moment where they feel it, where they feel their grip on the game slipping away to energize themselves to, at least to the point where they can start winning or creating, like Jordan said, little things that are advantageous to themselves that don't even have anything to do with whether the shot is going in or not.
2: Yeah, well, and that was, I guess I'll get back to that question of like just leadership. Like you're kind of lacking that that leadership in the second half. I, I thought, you know, there's, there's that ump like – we're in the locker room like hey this is you know we're going into the third set like we got to finish it like no mercy like let's go you know all that stuff but I know for us as a volleyball team when those momentum shifts like it just takes one and that's no matter if it's a kill a good dig like you're hey that was a or even for basketball like hey that's a great assist like you just got a defensive stop like you don't even have to think about scoring like you're just almost like in survival mode
0: Mm. and
2: once that survival mode kind of kicks in like you start to see things like man I just I just dope for that ball okay I can get this next one or you know what I'm you and you start to get that almost adrenaline like Mm. then nothing can stop you then you start seeing kids start driving to the basket and you're like whoa where did that you know where'd that come from and this you know maybe 5'10 guy going against his six foot which that probably won't happen I guess for you guys but for us you know, I was 5'10 going up against six two girls so I was like okay <laughs> um you know just those little things
1: yeah little yeah. things to get you going I agree I agree I've heard a lot too I'm glad you actually brought that up because I've actually been getting a lot of fans even tweeting at me this year about like the guys on the bench being like, yeah, they need to get more hype this year. You know, when you were there, you were so hyped on the bench, like getting the guys going, which I will say, like, now going back, I didn't notice it until somebody tweeted at me just for that pinkout game, and they were like, yeah, not even hype like that. I think there is a lot to that, even just, like, going back to the bench, right? Like, it, like, I feel like it's similar for you guys. Like, when you go back to the bench, like, you need that embrace. Like, you need that from your teammates to get you going to feel better and I actually haven't seen much of that before but now at the point that they're at like there has to be more of that now I think there needs to be more of that from Creighton's end like there needs to be more just enthusiasm I, I would like to see more of it
2: oh yeah because even like us we'd be like you know no play is a dumb play to celebrate
0: like right if it's a right. Right. Light,
2: we're still getting punt like that's a point like a hello like we're one step closer to winning right like those things and it's I, I get a- that
1: I celebrated everything, you know, I I was celebrating free throws, I was celebrating timeouts, I was celebrating everything, (laughs) like, so, yeah, no, you need it, it's important, it's, when you can get excited about those little things, it makes, like you, like we're saying, you spend so much time around each other, like, you need sometimes to get, like, you need that enthusiasm from somewhere within the team, and they, Crayton needs a lot of it right now. Yeah. And that's it what
2: those a- like relationships you you build with your teammates, you know, if someone's in a slump, like you could say one joke and all right. OK, they relax a little bit more or like right. this teammate needs a little bit more aggression. Like then they'll snap. They'll start being more aggressive. Like and that's what that whole teammate thing is like knowing your teammates, be knowing
1: what buttons them. you need to push. Yeah.
2: yeah and I think you were the best one. Like, you know, you obviously didn't play too, too many games, but you knew how to communicate to your team. To get the best out of them and it's like are they really the stars or are you like come on now who's who's doing some of the work hey, you know, we, like
1: we, we it's like a what's the word symbiotic relationship like it's all good like it's on what because that's what i mean right like if you like i i think about like guys like mitch too because you would always like mitch would want to come back to the bench and like he would want that embrace he'd be, like Mitch would be like, bro, when I'm hooping, like, tell me I'm hooping, like, when I'm playing like shit, tell me I'm playing like shit, like, I want to know, and so but Mitch was the, he was a great example of the type of dude, like like, I would know, and I could say something to him, like, hey, man, like, come on, like, you, you got to start, like, you got to get it going out Like if you start running, like everybody else is going to start running faster because of you, you're going to set the pace. Like, and he'd be like, yo, thanks. Like I needed to hear that. Like within the first four minutes, like, like he was like, I needed to hear that right now. Like, and so I'm like, you know what? Like, if that's where my little impact can be had on this game, like, so be it. Like, cause that means the world to me. Just even the yeah. fact that like having teammates listen to you, like that's an underrated thing. Like dude in a game listening to me, I'm like, okay. Like, let me make sure what I'm saying to him then is something like actually thought through and like something that'll actually help us here. So yeah, no, it's, it, it goes to show you those little things really do pay off.
0: Yeah, I want to jump into Xavier or some of the adjustments that some of the chess moves that happened in the second half of the Xavier game. But first, like just on the point that you guys are making here that I think is, you know, I think it's undervalued because it doesn't have like a, there's no way to quantify it. Um I think this is where they really, really miss Sharif Mitchell. Like Mm. there's just, there's a, it doesn't always have to be like a positive uplifting energy, but there is just a, a a mentality with the way he plays and attitude about him that I think it, when you, when he makes plays or when he does something, it doesn't have to be anything. It can just be like getting in some dude's face for like, 10 minutes and not letting him get comfortable dribbling the ball. Like that stuff permeates. You know what I mean? We've seen it. And I think they missed that because there is no one, there is no one who can set that bar. You know, everyone else kind of has a defined role from either a shot making, -making, playmaking rebounding, defending standpoint. Sharif was just a guy who's like, you know what? We need a spark here and I'm just going to do me. And they're going to like, be uplifted by that because they're not. They know they're not going to sit back there and watch me be the only one who's going 100 percent on this defensive possession to get to make sure we get a stop here. And even right. when the, even when the Xavier game started going sideways, you know, like when they were rolling, the, Creighton still was never out of it. They were always like just stop score stop from like making that a game again. And the dude who was a master at doing half of that. Component was Sharif Mitchell. Like he can create a turnover, he can deflect a pass, um, he can bother a shooter. You know, like he can fight for rebound even though he's little. I just think they missed that. They missed that bulldog mentality on the defensive end of the floor that he provided.
1: And to and and to your point, it's just like I feel like they in that second half it was just a lot of everybody being like, okay, we're gonna turn it on eventually and just win the game. Like that stop score stop is gonna happen. Like it looked from like their body language and like. Like you're saying, like they were never completely out of it. So it was like, it seemed like they were banking on that stop spin, but nobody went out and made it happen. So that's where it was just discouraging, I guess, from my stance. I had a question, but I lost it. Matt, if you're talking right now, I cannot hear you, so I'm going to just go ahead and... Uh,
0: my bad, I muted my mic. My bad. <laughs> my bad, my bad, my
1: bad, my <laughs> bad. Hey, I was going to have the rest of this podcast. Me and Matt, were about to chop it up, yo. I was. We were about to chop it up for the rest of this podcast. Hey, That's it's all good. You
0: that that would have been fine, too. I'm sure there would have been value in that. Um, I do okay. want to get this off, though, because I've been sitting on it for about two days after I w- I went home and watched the second half twice just to kind of... You know, see, talk to talk to the people like, what did Xavier do? What did Creighton try to stop it? Yada, yada, yada. So like every time that Creighton, you know, loses a big lead or, you know, a team makes a second half comeback and beats Creighton. It's always the same question about like lack of adjustments, no plan, Mm. et cetera, et cetera. So I just want to, I just want to lay a few things out there that like Creighton made adjustments, (laughs) They made several adjustments. And I promise you, I'm not just like, I promise you, Mac doesn't have a gun to my head right now, like telling me to reverse this. Like, they're there. You just, they just did not work. Like, sometimes you just got to, like, be at the mercy of forcing a a miss. It doesn't happen. I'm glad you're you're bringing
1: this up right now, too, just because, like, I, I always used to get this. Like, everyone always would say, even when I played, like, people would be like, oh, Mac never makes adjustments, doesn't make adjustments. Like, you guys didn't change anything in the second half we're just going to put that to rest now because like yeah. we always did, we always made adjustments. Always. We, we definitely like there's, there's never a game. Mac didn't make an adjustment. Like he, he never didn't make an adjustment. If it's not a drastic adjustment, like pressing, like that's a very drastic thing, which I don't think people understand um, mm. as well as obviously Mac, who's a head basketball coach. So um, I think we, we're going to put that one to rest right now. We, well, we, hopefully. We make I hope, I hope make so.
0: I've had, these, I've had to do this a lot, so I don't know if I'm going to put it to rest, but I'll try. So, like, the first thing that Xavier did that obviously was effective from the start was um, the pick-and-pop game with whoever Ryan Kalkbender was guarding. So, if you watch the first half, and, again, this goes back to a larger question I have about why teams choose to, like, deliberately choose to drive into the lane when Ryan Kalkbender is there. I don't understand why that still happens. I mean, I don't mind it because Kalkmanner gets to rack up the stats. So that's cool. Like he gets to, you know, he gets to do him. But I don't know why teams think that's an effective strategy. Like, so Xavier in the first half had the double big lineup with Jack Nungy and Zach Fremantle. And they basically tried to play bully ball with Creighton. They they let their guards go get downhill, and they had Fremantle and Nungy crashing weak side for offensive rebound, tip-ins, et cetera, posting up, whatever it may be. But they didn't really try to spread the floor, take Kalkbender away from the hoop. None of that stuff was like a priority for them offensively in the first half. And I think that's why they shot 23%. (laughs) I think that's why they were seven for 28 from two-point range in the first half was because they decided to attack the seven-footer instead of taking away from the hoop and then attack. In the second half, they were deliberately much different. So they played a lot of pick and pop with whoever Kalkbender was guarding. So it started out being Nungy. Um, So he gets two wide-open threes to start the first half, bang, bang, he knocks them both down. Again, he's a 30% three-point shooter, so that's maybe a calculation Creighton lives with. Like, yeah, we don't mind Jack Nungy shooting threes. You know, we don't think he's going to kill us if he makes one or two. But he made two in a row, and then Creighton had to be like, okay, well. It was bad times. He's he's hot now. Yep, yep. We have to defend him now. So what they did was they switched the matchup and made Kalkbender guard Fremantle and had Hawkins on Nungi. What Xavier did in almost no time at all was anticipate that Creighton would do that. So their, their offensive flow from that point on was basically whoever Kalkbenner was guarding was going to spread the floor and be on the perimeter, and whoever Hawkins was guarding was going to post up and back Hawkins down into the rim. So that's why you saw Nungi bang two threes, and then hit a hook shot over Ryan Hawkins because Xavier was going to attack the mismatch. So whoever Caulkwender was on, get your ass out to the three-point line, get him away from the hoop. What that did was force Caulkwender to make a decision at the point of attack. And that's why – and because he had to honor the pick and pop now, that's why Paul Scruggs was able to get to the hoop easily without any contest being there waiting for him. And he was able to finish some layups at the rim. Um because like Creighton just didn't have a matchup to guard him. Like Ryan Nemhard's not big enough or tall enough or strong enough, and uh, Trey Alexander and you know Alex O'Connell aren't those type of physical players either. So um, that's how that matchup went sideways. And then and then uh, Creighton went one three one. They bust out the one three one zone, and when they did that, Nate Johnson hit a corner three in the first eleven seconds of the shot clock. And then he was on fire the rest of the second half. So that got of
1: nowhere. Yeah. out didn't he just yet.
0: Yeah. He, he'd done nothing all game.
1: And then he just t- wants to be Ray Allen in the second half. Yeah. I was watching him. I'm like, yeah. what is the scouting report? I, I, I'd be curious to actually, I think I texted this to you. Mm-hmm. I'd be curious to see what that Xavier scouting report was. Cause at least he, his shots, they looked, I was like, why is, why are we letting him shoot? Like that was, he looked like he was there for one thing
0: Into it was to take, and make
1: those four threes. And I was very upset. Yeah, with it.
0: yeah. But that was when Creighton went one, three, one. So that was the, it was 11 seconds into Creighton busting that out and he bangs the three. And then he was like NBA jam on fire at that point. So that's, that's two adjustments that Creighton made right there that were flopping. Um, And then people asked why they didn't press like they did against the Paul, which changed that game. And the answer to that is more of. Let's just say Xavier's metrics discouraged that. Um, yeah. DePaul is uh, 66 in the country in terms of offensive efficiency against the press. Uh, they average 0.88 points per possession. They turn it over 26% of the time. Xavier, on the other hand, is the number two team in the country at scoring against the press. They average 1.12 Thank points you. per possession. Thank you for putting that in They sco- They turn Thank the ball you. over 15% of the time, and they score on 52% of the time you press them. And they've been pressed a lot this year, if you look at it. So that's the advantage Xavier has. They have Paul Scruggs, fifth year. Nate Johnson, Adam Kunkel, fifth year guys. Uh, Nunji's played a lot of basketball. He's a, I think he's a fifth or sixth year player. Like, they got too much experience. They've seen pressure defense before. Pressing would not have worked against Xavier. They're the number – again, the right. second-rate team in the country at scoring against the press. They don't turn it over. DePaul, on the other hand, does get, does get crazy and chaotic when you press them, so – that's why that wouldn't necessarily have worked. But Creighton tried zone. They tried switching matchups. Um, they tried going big, small. Like it, Xavier just wouldn't miss. Like, And they took advantage of every single matchup that Creighton threw at them from an adjustment standpoint. So it wasn't that Creighton didn't try to switch things up. It was that Xavier always had an answer for it. Right. Yep. That was kind of the theme yeah so that's, I think that's,
2: that's a big thing too like the end with the pressing like people don't understand that like numbers matter yeah. and like in college sports like you have to dig deep not just like last game you have to go like six or seven games like to see mm-hmm. a pattern to get their numbers like things change yeah like they play differently with each team but like there's I mean stats are stats and like that's how you get your scouting reports like that's the work that like rob Rob does that people kind of take for granted. I think it's like no his numbers matter like you need to take those seriously because that's what coaches are looking at like that's what helps you know scouting reports and people just mm-hmm. I just don't think they get that part of it
0: yeah, yeah. so they want they want I think they want, I think it's easier to believe that Xavier just like came out with a with a plan b and that Creighton never went to a plan b or plan C but that's just not it's just that's not the way it went. I watched that second half twice. Like the, the Creighton tried multiple things. There's a reason they didn't press. There's a they tried zone. They tried switching matchups. Like I said, like it just didn't work. So you, when that's the case, you you know, you just got to point to the players. The players made the plays. Xavier hit the shots. Um, Xavier executed against the mismatches. Uh, Xavier took advantage of everything that Creighton tried to do. Uh, they push the right buttons. You just gotta make plays to get yourself out of that. And that's what we talked about before is like the you know, even those Xavier was down 17. So even the like they went on a 29 to two run. That's still a 10-point game. It wasn't over. You know what I mean? That's Creighton just had to make plays. They had to get like, like Jordan talked about, that sequence that's so important. Stop course, stop, score, stop changes the game in basketball. a you know, one game. block in volleyball changes the momentum of a set like you just you have to dig deep and make a play you know you can't draw it on the whiteboard it's not magic there is no magic wand for coaches they prepare you and then you go execute the players just had to make a play and in basketball it's a stop course stop sequence and once you get that going then you can start get flown again and then you can get your mojo back then the crowd's on your side and then you let it rock you know what i mean but that just never happens xavier dictated Everything that Creighton was going to do in the second half, and they shot seventy percent from the field. They made they made almost more shots than Creighton took, which is absurd. Uh, you know that's just too many things going against you right there to to avoid that. Like you can't stop those floodwaters. It's too much. Yeah, <laughs> Jordan's got nothing. He's got nothing. I'm just
1: like think. I, I'm just like looking ahead, man, and just with so with like. How do you feel this UConn game is going
0: to go? Yeah, that's, that's, that's tough, right? Because they're going to go right on the road and, you know, face a team. It's that, not
1: fun. I I,
0: I mean, that's, that's why I, I think I'll divert to you guys. Like, how do you feel about, like, you know, dropping one, whether it's home or on the road that you feel like you shouldn't have lost, you know, whether you were in control of it or whether it was to a team that you felt like wasn't on your level. And then the you have to go to losing
1: at home at all. So. Yeah, but then <laughs> I'll take that part of the question. <laughs> okay.
0: But then you have to go, then you have to go face a team that you feel like is just, you know, really talented, really skilled, really well coached. It's probably going to be an uphill battle. You could go in there with a 10 game win streak and it would still be a tough, tough deal. So like, I don't know, how do you, how does an athlete or a team bounce back from that? When you drop one that you felt like you had in the bag, and now you have to go face one that not everybody's expecting you to win.
1: I just think they got to really like lock in here. They're going to really have to like try to pull one off on the road. So like all that enthusiasm I'm saying, I wish they would have had uh, channeled into the two losses that they had. They better find it and like bring it on the road with them because it's going to be tough. Like in losing, I think three games in a row is a very, very tough place to be in it like three games. I think that's the, and Madeline, like you, you probably can relate. Like, I feel like three games is like the losing streak where you start to be like, Oh, like three games is like really when it's like, okay, this is bad because you start to forget even what winning was like. You're like, how do we get back to that winning field? Because yeah, three game skit is not a good place to be in. So they're going to have to really try that, that enthusiasm. Everything's just going to have to be ramped up. Like they're going to have to be even more perfect than they think. Like they every execution is going to have to be on point defense is going to have to be on point communication, all those little things like they, they can't lack at all. So it's an uphill battle, but if they bring the same team that, you know, want to double overtime in Marquette, then we're talking, but if it's the team in the last two games, I don't know. We'll see.
2: And you hope like being on a two game losing streak, like their momentum and like hunger for the win it's there you're like all right come on like we got to get this like let's go so it's like you're hoping that's the team that shows up with like just the grit and like mean like let's go like we are not losing another game so it's like you always you just you just hope for that because I know we didn't lose at Sokol but we did lose against Villanova we got swept against Nova my senior year and the next game like I don't even know who we played but like I want to say I I felt sorry for them because we were like what just happened like that cannot happen again and like so that's that's you hope the mindset that they have is like we're not losing
1: yeah so Matt you know when I you know how I talk about Matt I always bring this up because you brought up Villanova and it just struck a nerve in my brain because we I don't know if you remember that year but the year we beat Nova at home like the last it was the it was their last loss until the, we beat them into a national championship is the moral of the story. I need Creighton to do what team, cause I feel like, and I don't know what it is. And I just think it was Matt and I talk about this all the time, but it was just like, when we used to beat teams, like they used to get so mad and go on like a five game winning streak. Cause they were like, Oh, we just lost to Creighton. Like I need Creighton a channel that just got beat by Creighton energy for the, yeah. like these few games here. <laughs> like I need them to be like, shit like we just lost this at home on pink out and i need that to be like the cause for them to go on this like five game winning streak now because i need to see that internal motivation i haven't seen it the last game i feel like they really got up for was the nova game so for uh at, well, i'll say marquette but like i need i need them to give me that get up again
0: yeah the, the thing that's tough about what they've got in front of them is I mean, and this is kind of like the curse of being in this league, is like no one feels sorry for what you're going through, and you could oh. play what you could play well and still lose because it's hard to win on the road. So the 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 hard part about the skid they're on right now is they is one of the losses came in a game that they basically put in a really good spot through 20 minutes to handle, right? Like they should mm. They should be going into UConn with a win, like feeling good about what they did. Like, you know, it should be three. You know, they should be winners of three of four in their minds. You know what I mean? Like, there was. I don't think they're gonna look at the Xavier game and feel like um, that's one they should have lost. I think that they're gonna beat themselves up over that one.
1: Yeah.
0: And the re and the reason why this this road trip at UConn and Seton Hall is kind of coming at the worst possible time because both those teams can beat them even if Creighton plays well. And then it's like Jordan said, then you start to forget what winning feels like. And that's when your confidence really goes south. So yes, yeah, honestly, bit this bit. is going to be almost a tougher task for the coaching staff from Mac on down and from the, the players that have a trusted enough voice to be leaders on this team. Because it's, I think they're heading towards a point in the season where it gets a little bit like your junior year, Jordan, where you had a couple losing streaks and you had to figure out how to motivate yourselves to practice hard every day, to play hard every game, to not give up when the going got tough, you know? Because the goings, it's going to get tough right here. They've lost two in a row now. They lost one at home that they felt like they shouldn't have lost. And they lost it in kind of an I mean, I feel like – I don't feel like I'm stepping out of bounds by saying this, but I think if I were a player, I would classify the Xavier loss as embarrassing. Was that too far to say? Like, yes. would you be embarrassed by the way that went down? I, I would
1: be very embarrassed. Like, up and 17, I I Yeah. I already – yeah. And it's just like, that's what I mean. So – because, like, the Butler one, like, I think we can sit here and be like, yeah, you know, you those games that. happen. At right. Butler, that, that, that should happen. Right. The, the Xavier, that doesn't just happen. Like, no. you have to – you actually have to contribute to that one
0: exactly. So yeah, I think from a so, player standpoint, they're probably they've probably they were probably embarrassed by the way that happened. Um, so that's the part of it that's the mental hurdle they have to clear, and then then come the physical challenges of facing Z- of C- creating UConn, and Seton Hall on the road. So like it's yeah, this is going to be a challenging stretch because the eighteen nineteen team kind of showed what they were made of um, by continuing to work hard, continuing to practice. Like I said. I think I remember that year because we were in the gym all the time. That was pre COVID. So, Jordan, like, I don't think I can't recall many bad practices you guys had, even though you had lost, like, you know, I think you had lost like um, eight out of 11 games in one stretch. Well, that one. And it was like, and that's what's interesting. And that, so that's what I mean. That felt, that all felt like a precursor to the year that followed where you guys won the Big East title and went on a roll. Like, mm-hmm. this year's team has a chance to like challenge itself to see what it's actually kind of made of internally because they can play well, like I said, in these next couple of games and still lose. Honestly, that's what this league does to you. They find a weakling and they pick on it. Like that's what they do. Other teams don't care how bad you're feeling, how low your confidence is. They don't want you to give a get right a game against them. They just want to bury you when you're dead. So that's the challenge that Creighton has. Like how do they fight through what's going to be the most adversity they've faced as a group right now? this season
1: yeah it's gonna be tough too and I'm I'm glad you brought it up because like the thing about that year like I think was that 1819. yeah that 1819 team like when we ended up going it was like the end of that year we were led like we had Connor and Caleb uh and like even just like we had great like leader and just leadership there to mm-hmm. when you know when practices got tough and when we were on those losing streaks right like we had guys that were like Pulling us up and being like, hey, Let me like, call time we, out real we, quick
0: we call time out real quick. I remember so many moments in practice where like like you, Caleb, Connor, like constantly just like huddling up in practice, like and just like because they really the giving a heart to heart, right? eye to eye speech like who's it, lifting people it's up different it's different
1: when you're winning, right? Like it's easy to be that guy when you're winning or your team's having success. But it was like that year when we, when you start to lose and everything, like that's when you really figure out who you are. And that's why I'm like, it was a precursor for the following year because we had like to dig deep, like when you're on a losing streak and when you have so many guys out, like even the game Tyshawn's out on the road at Nova, like I played, I'm, pl- I'm the sixth man in that game. Like we're playing with, base right like that like we have deep and like have uncomfortable conversations like with each other in the locker room to be like yo like what do you like do you want to just mail it in like are you done for the year or do do you really love this and do you really like want to like try to build something here and try to go win in the nit like because we all love basketball and love hooping like there's a whole different level to it and so you don't want to get to that point though to your original point the only reason i'm telling the story now is with this team because it's This is at the point where they can correct it or they're going to find themselves in like a week or so finding something else besides the NCAA tournament to play for, because that's not a fun, like you don't want to be there, but we luckily had like seniors that we were playing for Caleb Connor. Like that became our motivation. This is a young team. Like, I don't think they want to find themselves being like, Oh yeah. Our motivation for the rest of the season is to send Ryan Hawkins off on a high note. Like, no, you want to send him off. In the NCAA tournament, man, like that's so this team has to dig deep in if they're at that point, like that's what they have to be saying to each other right now, like the conversation in that locker room right now should be like, are we sending Ryan Hawkins out in the NIT or in the NCAA tournament? Because that's that's the point we're at now. Right. Like this is the, the these couple weeks here are going to determine that. So we'll see. Unmute yourself, man. You got it.
0: You're killing me today. I keep doing the mute thing. I'm sick so, it's like a button. <laughs> I keep forgetting. My bad. <laughs> Jordan's gonna throw like a beer bottle through the screen at me. Um, nah, I'll be nice tonight. Okay. Um, yeah, I want to talk women's hoops in a second, but Madeline, I was just wondering if you had anything to add to that in terms of like. Yeah, I don't know. Just a mentality in order to prepare yourself to go through this this stretch right now, where you're obviously, like I said, the feeling the sentiment is probably a little bit like embarrassment right now. Cause you let one go that you didn't feel like you should have. And now you have to face, you know, a tough stretch where, like we've said already, like, they're not going to feel sorry for you. They're going to try to bury you. Like, how do you, how do you mentally get yourself through that regardless of the results you end up, end up facing?
2: Yeah, it's, it's hard for sure. But I feel like the men's basketball in the Big East, you should know that every day you're battling so it's like it's sh- it's not it's not new that you're that yeah you lost two games you probably should have lost two but and now you have you know all these other games that are going to be super hard but it's what you signed up for so it's like you should be wanting that challenge mm. um but it, like i like what jordan said like you sh- you shouldn't have regrets later on like the two losses those are your regrets like okay and now we learn from them like Losses are good because you learn from them, but it's like, what are, what are they going to learn from those two losses to push them over that hump to not, you know, let their goals kind of just end. So it's like, it's their, their mindset has to be strong for sure. Like they have to find that motivation and that, that desire. And it's like a team goal. Like what's our team goal first half, what are we doing second half? Like, don't think about the end goal so much maybe just, just take it back a step. Like, what's our goal for this this one match, this one quarter, like this one half? Like, maybe maybe break it down just a little bit more because they are a younger team mm. with, now they have some, some high leaders who have been through a lot too, but, you know, break it down. Let's go one-on-one, okay? What are we doing against this person or, you know, this this specific team? Like, I know it's, you know, easy to say, like, take it one game at a time, but you literally have to do that and take it, even further than that so
0: yeah well I mean I like that because it puts a little you know it, it it shows the importance of why being in the moment is important because there's there's a lot to accomplish in the here and now that eventually leads you to the bigger goal but if you don't do that stuff then the bigger goal becomes irrelevant because you've lost it all right so yeah I love that philosophical yeah. perspective on things
2: well um, and that's what got us from our junior year to senior year senior year we didn't put Big East champions NCAA tournament on our goals we broke it down we want to be good practice players good teammates like we broke it down and of course we didn't win the Big East that year so we were kind of like dang it we should have put it on (laughs) there but it's like we went we should have gone further in the tournament but you know it's like you you just have to think about some some smaller things sometimes and even that's personal goals Mm -hmm. like hey I'm going to shoot better in the three-point line today, or I'm going to get one more assist or one more block, you know, like those those small things, like we talked about, can create bigger things.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, the transition to a team that's flying high right now, coming into this week with a lot of confidence, is uh, Jim Flannery's squad. Um, I just checked. I'm not, a, I'm not muted. Uh, <laughs> but they've got a tough, 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 tough week ahead of them. I mean, maybe the toughest week I've ever seen them go through. It's the gauntlet. Uh, it's 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 yeah. It, it honestly, this is the part of the year that Flan circled too. He's like, this is going to be hell to go through this. So they've got um the greatest women's basketball program in history, um, on Wednesday night. And then Friday, they're at DePaul, who's probably, you know, vying for second or third best team in the league, depending on how you evaluate Creighton and DePaul. Um And they probably have the best player in the league on their team who's absolutely a monster right now in Anissa Morrow. And then they have Marquette on the road on Sunday after they get through those two games. So this is a, this has the potential to be a season defining stretch. If it, if it goes well, it'll be historical. And if it goes sideways, then they will have to kind of recalibrate a little bit because the rest of the season doesn't get any easier. Um, but even though the challenges won't be as stiff as this one. So the first question I have, though, and this is for both of you because you both have played in big-time games at home against um, – And when like, you say play, well, the, you mean what's on the team, right? Well, you, you have to <laughs> listen to me. I'm not downplaying your, uh, your role here um, or your role in those wins. But the, the – you don't often face a team that you feel like you're not expected to beat on your home floor. You know what I mean? So that's the situation that Creighton walks into on Wednesday from the outside. In, from the outside looking in, I don't think anybody expects Creighton to beat UConn. I think, I think all the expectations for Creighton beating UConn are in the gym already. You know what I mean? And maybe some delusional family members who knows, but um, that's beside the point. So uh how do you approach that when you are when you're super confident in yourself as a group, and you and I and I can confirm that I, like you can see the look in their eye when they talk about this game, like they're not going into it like hoping they can, you know, find a way to believe that they can beat Big Bad UConn. They already believe they can beat UConn. It's all about just you know making it happen now. So how do you approach that game from a mental perspective, where you're facing a team that no one expects you to beat on the outside looking in? but where you expect to beat them and they're in your own gym. Like how, how do you, ex- how do you approach that? Who wants to go first? You want me to go first? Whoever I wants mean, to go first. You've all, you both done it. You both have done it.
1: I think honestly, the approach is just to, uh, I like to like when I think about even like that Nova game, uh, yeah like that game right like uh yeah ronnie was out to the national, was championship. national championship ronnie yeah. is out yeah. mitch is starting as a freshman for mm-hmm. the first time all year randomly like uh, it, it happens they I kicked think the crap just, out of you the
0: first time like those were insurmountable odds. yes yeah.
1: yeah it's it's just like honestly i don't want to sound corny but it's like really visualizing success like it's just like my mentality going into that is i was like envisioning everything that we needed to execute. Like, this is what a win was going to look like. It was like telling yourself, like, the little things that we we needed to do. Like, we need to we need to win the turnover battle. We need to not turn the ball. Like, the little things, just, like, envisioning and trying to, like, be like, this is how we're going to execute this. Talking about it with teammates before. Like, we're going to do this. This is going to be the read here um, in the ball screen coverage. Like, this is how we're going to communicate during it, all that. It's really just about trying to not, like, even let any idea of like i don't know any idea of doubt like creep into your mind because it's just like we have to execute our game plans going to work it's just that belief i think i think that's the best way to approach it from i guess my experience
2: yeah and i think that and like knowing they're gonna make their shots or like for us it was like she's gonna get her big kill like it's gonna be all flashy like it's gonna be cool but
1: gamer runs yeah
2: yeah. Like who cares? Like, okay, they had that, but now we, what are we going to do? Like, how mm-hmm. are we going to respond? Are we going to let her keep having those those shots or, or are we going to, you know, try and defend that or those things? So, you know, it's, it's kind of like just have fun with it, but like, so like, don't, I mean, yeah, it's a big game, but again, it's just basketball. Nothing's changed. Like, right. Still you, right. So them so it's like it's just a good game like you're just you're excited to play it and your adrenaline will kick in like you'll 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 yeah. settle you'll settle for sure
1: it's just like go be the like you're thinking like let me just go be the best version of myself and everything will like flush everything will work itself out if i do that like right right yeah. no i agree completely and
2: don't get too caught up in oh i'm not playing well mm-hmm. like okay maybe your mm-hmm. teammate is, or what can yeah. you do to your team yeah and be i like
1: how you said out. that too because you would just even like like being able to not don't get too high. Don't get too low. Like they're going to go on their run. It's cool. I'm, we're going to get ours next. Like we're going to execute, like don't get too rattled by their success. Like no yours is coming later. Like be, being that belief in yourself, believe that your success is going to come later too.
2: And basketball is a cool sport. Cause it's like, you'll remember those small moments and like that, that's what won the game. Like mm-hmm. that extra push. Won the game. Like, I dove for that ball going out and hit it to my teammate, got the lead. like that potentially could win the game. So it's like, you can't, don't, don't think, oh, we have games later on. Like, we're going to lose possession. Gonna every like,
1: possession. Every yeah. possession matters. Be oh, in yeah. the possession. That's not like they say, be in the moment. No, be in the possession. Be in the possession.
2: Yeah. I think I remember my junior year, we played Washington for our NCAA second round. And I like dove over a table because I was like, "This could yeah. potentially be our last game." I do not care. Hopefully, and Matt, I think you were there. Like, yeah, it was. For... You were.
0: It was right in between me and John. You dove right in between
2: okay, us. Okay, yeah. yes. Yeah. So I was like, "Sorry, I'm taking you <laughs> with me." But that's great. We all in like the complete opposite direction, though. So like, all
0: good. Hey, it. the effort was there. So you wanted it bad. The thing, you know, and that's yeah. the other thing too. Is like this game is going to be at DJ soul Arena, and you know, it sounds like. Uh, You know, it it sounds like most, if not all the tickets have been sold. So hopefully a lot of people show up um, because that'd be a crazy environment. You know, like what were some some of the craziest environments you played in that arena? And do they elevate you? Like, do you feel does the energy um, change you? Like, do you feel different when you've got all that behind you, like 2000 plus people on your side type of deal?
2: oh Yeah, and it's so like jam-packed. Like, I don't know, I've never played in front of us. Well, I get never mind because our Nebraska game was at CHI Center, but yeah, like, so cool is something special. Um, and you know, how, like in the concerts, like when the bass is going, you can kind of feel it in your heart, like okay. it's almost to that moment, you're like, oh man, like I can feel this energy, the vibes, like let's go, and it's fun. Play in front of your home, your home people. So it's like, all right, I got to do whatever I can to make these people smile and leave when they're when they're leaving. Like, it's so cool. I love it. Oh, I miss it.
1: <laughs> I miss it too. The 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 second you just said the environment and the Soco thing, I smelt popcorn. I just smelt the Soco popcorn. The immediate like when you were just giving your like the whole vibe, I'm like, yeah, no,
0: I, <laughs> I miss it too. I definitely miss it. Yeah, this is gonna be a crazy fun week. I. I this is like, I'm not, this is weird, but like, this is what I get like really juiced up about as a, you know, journalist slash media member is like a big game anticipation because you, I think the the cool part about it is like the psychology of the athlete. That's kind of why you do this kind of thing. Or at least that's something for me is I'm really intrigued by the way 18 to 22 year olds handle pressure packed moments that are, you're in front of thousands of people, they're watching you, like, run, move, talk, dribble, shoot, pass, everything. And, like, your screw-ups, like, you do that in front of everybody. And your big moments happen there, too, but those are easier to feed off of. But I just I'm, – I'm fascinated by the psychology of, like, how you perform under pressure. And I'm really interested in this game because I for most of the players on Creighton's team, they – haven't experienced a home crowd like they're going to experience on Wednesday, especially coming off the COVID year where they really didn't have much of an environment to play in front of anyway. Um, And then on top of it, on the other side is literally like one of the greatest dynasties in sports history. You know what I mean? Like there's a name that's going to be on the front of that Jersey across from you that just like they, they wake up and what's the, what's the Ricky Bobby phrase, like piss excellence or whatever. Like yep. they, went, yep. they have championships growing out of their ears. Like they've won more than it's normal to win. You know what I mean? Um, there's a psychology to that too, of believing you can beat that team when they haven't lost a conference game in five years, when they don't lose to teams that aren't, don't have a number in front of their name or, you know, aren't a Tennessee or a Notre Dame or a South Carolina or a Stanford. Like it's not normal to beat UConn when you're a Creighton but they believe they can do it and they want to do it. And I think they're going to show up and play their best. And I, it's going to be fascinating to find out how it turns out and how it plays out, because it's just going to be such a unique situation.
1: It will be a fun game too, just because from what I've seen from the craven women this year is they do rise to the occasion and I know they're going like, this, like I know this game especially is especially at home. Close. Especially at home. Like you, yeah. And you know this game is so like in this. I love the four quarters because I'm just like I can't like the fourth quarter of this game is going to be insane.
0: Yeah,
1: it's going to be like no matter what happens. Like I, I just I know it's going to be close. Like I, I can guarantee it's going to be close because like even they played them close at UConn, right? Yeah, it's going to be close, and so it's going to be. It's definitely going to have. This is going to be a game full of those moments where it's like there's going to be like plays that you're like, yeah, no, this, this play could have been the game. This play could have been the game. Like, and it, there could be early on, they can be wherever it's going to be an intense game. So I'm excited.
0: Yeah. yeah. And then they, and then they turn around and they get to face the Paul and uh, we're going to refer to a niece Morrow from now on, or we're going to refer to Ed Morrow. Sorry. From now on as a niece Morrow's mm-hmm. older, older brother. Cause she's okay. a, she's an animal. Like, let me, let me just, I don't, I don't know if you guys watched uh, their game yesterday against Seton Hall or heard about it. So I'm just going to ask you two right now to give me a number. And the number is, if I told you this person had a good rebounding game, give me the number of rebounds you think that person had. Is gu- good the adjective you want to um, use? Yeah, you're right. Are you sure right. that's the one? You're right. I'm, give me, yeah. Honest, yeah um well, i, I want to do know, it without doing without making it crazy so like i'm just gonna say this person had you know what i'll be accurate this person had an historic rebounding game give me <laughs> give me give me the number
2: okay well i can't i can't answer because i saw it on twitter or at okay. least i saw one
0: number <laughs> well that's fair okay so madeline's I don't out Jordan. I,
2: don't she, I don't know if she added to it but i know
1: yeah that's stat corrections
0: that. or something right yeah Jordan I'm, did I'm pretty I'm pretty sure I saw it but I'm gonna pretend
1: like I didn't and okay. just 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 to your historic number of uh, I just okay. want to throw a number out there so okay. to your description I'm gonna say like 28
0: that's pretty good she had 27 of 27 of them shits she grabbed 27 okay. boys <laughs> I
2: thought 26 so. I thought
0: I actually I did
1: think it was 28 I just
0: yeah I, she I, I just hauled in it. she's a freshman she's a freshman. She was a three-star recruit. She wasn't even ESPN top 100. Same. And she just 30 and 15-pieced UConn on Wednesday. Then she had 22 and, like, 18 against St. John's. And then she had, like, 25 and 27 yesterday against Seton Hall. She's a freshman. Yeah, She's, a fr- oh, she's like, no. an unheralded freshman, dude. Like, unheralded. She's, she's easily the national freshman of the year. The award is over. The race is done. It's a wrap. They can hand her the hardware now, chisel her name into it, and no one would argue. And she wasn't even a top 100 kid. Like, no one even like had her as like a big breakthrough type. Oh, yeah, look out, you know, like AZ Fudd and, was the freshman and, of the year, and then and, the in the and, Ed, Ed Morrow. That's her brother. Is her yeah. Ed Morrow is Anissa Morrow's older brother. That's his name now. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> his, no, he, he he's he, she's killing. She, it. she's killing it. Yeah, yeah. She
1: decided she was like. Yeah, no, I want to be the best basketball player.
0: Yeah. In this family. That's <laughs> what I
1: think. She, yeah. She was like, Oh, wait, I could I could do this. I'll be the she, best basketball she player. She walked,
0: ever. she walked into the year and they said, This is this is Ed Marl's little sister. And by the end of January, she's like, No, he's my older brother and I'm the best basketball that's, player. That's that's what's gonna happen to me. People are gonna talk about like my sister, they're gonna I'm gonna be remembered as
1: uh peyton scurry's just brother like yeah. that's what's gonna happen yeah that's okay. what's gonna once she goes once she plays college ball that's how people are gonna remember me too so oh yeah
0: yeah i gotta i, I gotta i gotta
1: prepare for that you gotta, myself, you gotta so. hit up
0: ed and be like yo i can relate and he'll be like what are you talking about i'm gonna, I'm gonna ha- yeah i need i, I need I to hit you're him up going, now and be like to yo to,
1: how does it what, what do i do when my younger sister's just like oh. obviously becomes better than me at basketball like <laughs> what, what
0: what what do i do then yeah, she's hardcore beasting though. So that's that's what's waiting for Creighton on Friday in Chicago, and then Sunday, it, you know, it's just Marquette, who's one of the stingiest defenses in the league. So this week is going to be hell. But I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm crazy fascinated by how Creighton handles it because I'm excited. They're fifteen and five. It. They're ten and two in the Big East. They're, you know, their nets in good shape. All their metrics look good for an NCAA tournament, and you know, there's. This while well, this week could probably look a little daunting from the from the difficulty of the schedule to the challenge of trying to practice and prepare and travel in a three game six day span. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. <laughs> that's right, you guys go back to backs, don't you? I forgot. Yeah, that's that's bad for basketball, isn't it? What do you think?
2: My goodness. Yeah.
0: Madeline's that like, we stuff. go back to back. What are you talking about?
2: We're done for the week.
0: Yeah. No, Creighton just played – this This team just played a five-game and ten-day stretch in four different states where they had to travel. And they won, they won four of them. Yeah, they won four of them. Um, then they got a couple days rest before Providence, and then they hung 95 on them.
1: Yeah. The women's basketball schedule has always just been – Kind of like at least for like my, like from what I've heard, hasn't always been this like yeah grueling? Yeah, the like, east, they the have like they definitely have team. a stretch like right now. I I'm sure I like remember like every year just in having conversations with like Gracie and all that. Like this this period of the year is tough for them, right? Yes, it is. Like they, just they, just had, they had
0: one season where they were they went out to the east coast to play Seton Hall in St. John's mm-hmm. and there was a snowstorm out there, so they got caught yeah. on the east coast. And they had to come back and play midweek games against Marquette and DePaul at home. Marquette beat them to Omaha. They like prepared in Omaha before Creighton even got to. Jeez, home. dude. So yeah, like Creighton, Creighton lost. You. Yeah, I think Creighton lost three out of those four games because it was not. Yeah, they were not ready for that. So, um, yeah, they're, 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 it's usually like this. This this stuff usually happens, but yeah, we'll see. It's gonna be fun. Wednesday is gonna be. It's gonna be lit. It's going to be crazy. It's going
1: to be a great week. It's going to be a great week.
0: Um, Madeline, you're awesome. Always love chatting with you. Thanks for hopping on the podcast. Yeah, this
1: me. is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming on with us. This was one of my favorite episodes we've had. So I appreciate <laughs> it.
2: me. I had fun.
1: No, we'll have to. You, please feel free to come back on when you have some more. When you're real settled in at Butler and you have some, you know, good food spots for us to, you know, maybe hit up. When yeah. in Indianapolis, you got to let us know. Got to let us know what the lay of the land is, how you're enjoying it. So, yeah, gotcha. please come yeah. back.
0: Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Um, we appreciate your questions and comments. Always we do. And thank you for listening. Uh, appreciate Madeline Cole for taking time out of her night on a busy week where she's trying to relocate her. Two-time right. All-American Madeline Just Cole. Get it right. Just get it right. Two Give dogs. her Yep, that's right. <laughs> Dubs growing out of her ears. She's one more than you know. <laughs> Um, best of luck at Butler Madeline. I know you're going to kill it. Can't wait to watch you. Um, thanks for hopping on the podcast with us. This has been your scurrying in the scrub biggies Week in review. Talk to you everybody next week.